0: From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as...
1: Johnny Dollar.
2: Jim Morris, Johnny. You are working on a case?
1: Founded Kentucky, yes, but not insurance.
2: Good. Will you go out to the West Coast for us?
1: Maybe. What is it? Murder, marine theft, arson, or something new?
2: It's nothing yet. Our manager in Los Angeles phoned this morning. A woman out there wants to buy a $200,000 policy on her life. Well? Oh, it's not that we don't want the business. But the sales agent doesn't want to take the responsibility of a deal that size. He thinks she's holding something back. We've decided to investigate. How old is she? I don't know. Why?
1: Well, I thought I'd ask. There's As one kind of woman to investigate, you know, and then there's another. When do you want me to leave?
3: Edmund O'Brien, in another adventure of the man with the action packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance
1: investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs> Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office Great Eastern Life Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Nora Faulkner matter. <laughs> Expense account item one $220 airfare and incidentals between Hartford and the Great East Building, Miracle Mile, Wilshire Boulevard, Los Angeles. The only apparent miracle was the fact that pedestrians crossed Wilshire constantly without getting killed. Dollar. Thanks.
4: Sorry to keep you waiting, Mr. Dollar.
1: That's all right. Let's see. You're Tracy Faulkner. You Thanks. Hmm. Two hundred thousand to go to her husband. How did it start,
4: Mr. Snyder? She phoned one of our salesmen, a fellow by the name of Nelson. He went out to her house, the uh, address is there, and she told him what she wanted. He says he was counting his commission at first, but after he filled out the application, he began to wonder. About what? Her, She told him she planned on paying six months premiums and wanted to know how soon the policy would be in effect. Acted unnatural, as he put it. I think we ought to find out about her.
1: I don't like this kind of thing. It's a blind search. I don't even know what I'm looking for. But I'll start on it in the morning, and I'll let you know how I come out. <laughs> Expense account item two, $3 cab fare. The usual way to start an investigation of this type is with the subject's neighbors. From the male faction, I learned that Nora Faulkner was beautiful and obviously above reproach. The female faction reversed that decision and reported that she lived with her husband and his mother, but hadn't been seen for the past few days. Realizing that mothers-in-law are fair sources of information, I put her next on my list. Mrs. Faulkner, the elder, sported short iron-gray hair, and her face told the story of an endless battle to hang on to youth.
5: Come into the drawing room, Mr. Dollar. I think we can be comfortable there. Thank you. I'll close the doors. You could see, by the way, that maid was eyeing you that she's an incurable prior. I didn't notice. She's impossible. Well, what did you find out? Who is she seeing in Las Vegas? I beg your pardon? Nora, what did you learn? I'm her mother-in-law.
1: Oh, yes, I know that. But maybe you have me confused with someone else.
5: You want the detective? The maid announced you as an investigator. I'm
1: an insurance investigator, Mrs. Fortman.
5: Well, then you're not from that agency. Oh, well, this is embarrassing, to say the least. I, I hope you won't mention it to anyone.
1: Well, it's none of my business. Oh,
5: it's really nothing. It's a, it's a little game I play with Nora. Then I tease her about her little trips, Please sit down, Mr. Uh, Dollar. Of course. I feel so foolish, but my daughter-in-law was mentioned when you came in, wasn't she?
1: Yes, I did want to talk to you about her. To be quite honest, the company that hired me is a little uneasy about that $200,000 life insurance policy she applied for.
5: Nora applied?
1: Yes. You didn't know about her?
5: No, I didn't. Of course, she never tells me anything. Why would she do a thing like that? She's a clever woman. There must be a reason. Who's the beneficiary, Mr. Dollar?
1: Your son, Andrew.
5: I see. Then I would say it's one of her unexplainable maneuvers. An attempt to regain Andrew's trust and affection.
6: That's an odd thing to say.
5: Nora's a strange woman. I know her better than anyone else does. Yes, better by far than my son, her husband. I understand how she rushed him into marriage while he was in a highly emotional state after he'd been inducted into the army. He was just 19. That was in 1942. I know the gay life she led while he was living in foxholes overseas and while he was convalescing here after the war. Mrs.
1: Faulkner, I realize that
7: all these things seem very important to you, but... Mother, I... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you had company.
5: Come along, Andrew. You were told that I had company and you know it. This is Mr. Dollar, Andrew, from an insurance company.
7: How do you do, Mr. Faulkner?
5: Andrew, why do you keep things from me? What do you mean? Mr. Dollar is from an insurance company. Surely you know what I mean.
7: No, I don't.
5: Nora's new insurance policy.
7: Why don't you explain what you're talking about, Mother?
5: Nora applied for a $200,000 life insurance policy. You are to be the beneficiary. Didn't she tell you?
7: She hasn't said anything about it yet.
5: Of course she hasn't. There are a number of things she hasn't told you. I warned you before. Mother? Mother? Now, oh, don't be angry with me, Andrew.
7: Then please leave. As
5: you wish, Andrew. You know that everything I do is or say is for you. Then leave. All right, Mother. or please control your temper.
7: I'm sorry about this, Mr. Faulkner. So am I. Is it true about the policy? About the application, yes. I don't understand it. I don't understand Nora. I never know what she's thinking. I blame it on Mother, her prying and suspicion... I blame, blame it on that star woman. Who? Nora doesn't think for herself anymore. She doesn't do anything or go anyplace unless this, this dame tells her to. Who's this? Oh, a spook, psychic, uh, Madame Star. That's where this insurance idea came from. <laughs> for a price, she'll tell you if Nora's a good risk or not. Where can I find her? Out toward Inglewood, someplace. She runs a classified ad in all the evening papers. Thanks. I'm sorry to have caused you this. I, I really am. Oh well, it's not your fault. <laughs> Whose fault is it? Maybe everybody's.
1: It was obvious after meeting Andrew Faulkner and his mother that the application for the policy wasn't the only unusual element in the matter. But on instruction from the company's Los Angeles manager, I continued my investigation. Expense account item 3, 450, transportation to the address of Madam Starr, A one-story frame house with heavily draped windows and a sign outside that advertised Advice.
8: Good afternoon, sir.
1: Madam Starr. That is right. I come in.
8: All are welcome here.
1: This can't be classed as one of your regular consultations, but I'll pay you for your time.
8: That is generous of you. What advice do you wish?
1: I'd like to know why Nora Faulkner was so anxious to buy a big policy on her life. Who are you? You mean you don't know?
8: I claim no powers as medium. I'm not psychic. I only offer advice. Some of those who listen are helped. What advice do you want?
6: I told you. Nora Faulkner has been coming
8: here? She has. She's in great need of advice. More intelligent advice than I could give, perhaps. But I tried to help her.
1: By telling her to buy insurance?
8: Nora Faulkner's life these last few years has been lived under severe mental strain. I advised the search for inner truth, among other things.
1: Yeah. What about the insurance policy?
8: A mental torment resulted in physical failings. I advised tonics, vitamins. Why
1: are you evading the insurance
8: She wanted a more tangible protection of her life. Protection? She felt it in
1: danger. Why?
8: I have said enough.
1: She's in Las Vegas, I understand. Where is she staying?
8: You go there?
1: I don't seem to be able to get anything but double talk here.
8: Everybody has a reason for caution. There is Flamingo Hotel. She's there. How much do I owe you? Nothing. I've given you no advice. What I would advise, I have no right to say. Good afternoon, sir.
1: I suppose you have to be mysterious. Good
8: afternoon, sir.
1: Expense account item 4, 450, return trip to my hotel. Item 5, 370, cab fare to an airport in Burbank. And item 6, $19.90 round trip to Las Vegas by way of Western Airlines Excursion Coach. My seatmate turned out to be not only a tourist consultant, but a wit.
4: Your first trip to Las Vegas?
1: No, I've spent a little time there.
4: Great town. Greatest resort I've ever seen. You like to fish?
1: Well, I used to. I don't have much time for it now. I'm always going to start again. You know how it is.
4: Well, start on Lake
6: Mead, believe me. Why they got bass in that lake. Now look, the last time I was there, two of us went out. I'd broken my rod, Nothing but a stump. But I put a paper clip on the end Excuse and make. Basically... What is your name? Huh? Oh, Esmond. Harry Esmond. Thank you. And your name, sir.
1: Dollar, Johnny Dollar.
9: Thank you. <laughs> Dollar.
6: Yeah, and I know
1: what's coming. <laughs> a game like
6: that, a place like Las Vegas, you might be going in the right direction, brother. Sometimes
1: I wonder. <laughs> Smooth trip. We eased onto the big desert strip, boarded waiting limousines, and ten minutes later, I walked into the lobby of the Flamingo Hotel.
5: Mr. Gostain, please, long distance.
4: Yes, sir. My name is Dollar. I have a reservation. Oh, just a moment, please. Hey, yes, sir. You sign the register. All
1: right. Um, you have a Mrs. Andrew Faulkner staying here, or Nora Faulkner? Nora Faulkner.
4: Sheriff Wood.
2: What's the trouble, son?
4: Mr. Dollar just registered.
6: He asked for Nora Faulkner.
2: Oh, he did, huh? Well, I'll tell you, Mr. Dollar. You may want to talk to her, but she don't want to talk to you or anybody else. She can't. What's the matter? She must have had her dinner outside the main dining room. She's in the hospital. She's been poisoned.
3: turn you to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. But first, the show that dares to name names, dates, places, and the crimes involved. That's Gangbusters, which you hear every Saturday night on most of these same stations. Gangbusters has been hailed nationwide as a great anti-crime series. For the men who tell you how to smash crime are police chiefs, sheriffs, and other law enforcement officers from America's cities and towns. Each Saturday, Gangbusters brings you a new case taken from police files, showing you how a criminal was brought to justice. Often, the police officer who headed the chase narrates the story. Be listening for Gangbusters this evening and every Saturday evening on CBS, The Star's Address. Now, with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: After a look at my card and an explanation of my mission, Deputy Sheriff Wood told me the rest of what he knew about Mrs. Nora Faulkner's poisoning, which to date wasn't much. There was no proof of how she'd gotten the poison dose, and the last time he'd seen her, she'd been too ill to talk. She was under her care of a personal physician who had accompanied her from Los Angeles. By the time he had finished, we were at the emergency hospital and approaching her room.
2: I went through the usual rigmarole of notifying next of kin. Her husband wasn't in, but somebody said she was his mother and then fainted on the phone. Mm, She would. I expect her to be flying in here on her own wings any minute now. Is it?
6: Yes? Oh, Sheriff. This
2: man's an insurance investigator, Dr. Brooks. Meet Mr. Dollar. Hello. An
6: insurance investigator? I'm afraid I don't understand well, I was looking into an insurance policy she wanted to buy. Oh, I see. How is she? Mm-hmm. Resting as comfortably as can be expected. Has she said anything about the poisoning? Yes, but I'd rather you heard it from her. Won't you come in? Thanks. After you, Sheriff?
2: Sure, I'll take along. Make it look official and learn how you city boys operate.
9: Who is it, Peter?
6: These men want to talk to you, Nora. I want you to tell them exactly what you told me. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it anymore. Please, Nora. All right. I couldn't stand it any longer. I didn't want to go on. I wanted to die.
1: You took the poison, Mrs. Faulkner.
6: Yes. Not because I'm a coward. Because there's nothing about life that I don't hate. I don't want any more of
1: Where is the poison?
6: I destroyed it. Destroyed it? Why should you do that? I don't know. How can you expect me to know why I did little things at a time like that? I don't know. Peter, please, I don't want to talk anymore.
9: I don't want to talk anymore.
6: I think we'd better let her write. (laughs) I'm not sure her story rings true. How well do you know her, Doctor? Quite well, Mr. Dollar. She's been my patient for over two years. Her life's been very unhappy. You find it hard to believe that the poison was self-administered? Yes, I do. Why would she lie to protect someone
2: who attempted to kill her?
1: I don't know, but suicides don't do things like destroy poison.
2: Or take it when they know room service is on the way up to their room with a meal. That's a downright waste of everybody's time. The waiter did find her, didn't he? I hadn't thought of... Good Lord. What?
6: the vitamin tonic she was taking. The dose included one before her evening meal.
1: Tablet form, or is it
6: liquid? It's a liquid, had a cold. And the poison could have gotten to her that way. Where is it? Back at the hotel in her
2: room. Do you want it? I think it should be analyzed. I can get it up to the lab in Carson City tonight by plane. All right. I'll show it to you.
6: I think she kept it in the medicine cabinet. I'll look. Yeah, it's here. oh. oh. What happened? Clumsy fool.
1: Sorry, I
2: dropped the bottle.
6: The
1: wash basin's a bad place to drop evidence, Doctor. Sheriff, can we save enough of this stuff? It's going down the drain. Don't need much. I can
2: scoop some up with my knife. I'll find something to put it in. An
1: aspirin box would do. Mm -hmm. Here, I'll
6: hold it. Watch that broken glass. I'm sorry, gentlemen. If the hadico does contain the poison, I imagine my position won't be better. But it was an accident. Mm. Neither the sheriff nor I reacted to that. We retrieved enough of the liquid for tests and went back to the lobby.
2: Two men were waiting for us near the desk. I'll be stacking up, Woody. Well, we've got a real civilized mystery on our hands, Nev. This Mr. Dollar, Max Lewis, and Nev Gilbert. do Hello. Hello. you do so. These boys help run the place when it isn't running then. What
1: happened to Mrs. Faulkner, Dollar? Well, she says she tried to kill herself, but the signs make it look like somebody might have slipped the stuff to her. Is going to be
4: all right? It mm, seems to be. We'll send her flowers in the morning, Max. Remind me. Yeah.
2: I'll go get this tinned evidence on a plane, Dollar. See you in the morning. Fine, Sheriff. If the boy's here, we'll take care of you. If you aren't careful, that is. I'll see you later. <laughs> you pay for breakfast tomorrow morning.
8: Thank Mr. Schiller. Mr. Schiller, please. Long distance. I'll get that phone
2: call for Abe. He's taking a nap. Give Dollar
9: everything he wants.
4: That's it, daughter, the place is yours. You want to start with a drink? That's the best suggestion today. Come on, there's a bar in the mural room. Ah, it's a good crowd. It's only ten. They won't really pile in until later. Just sit down, I just don't stand. Thanks, I will. I'm deep. How are you, Mr. Lewis? Fine, Jim. Uh, make mine double, will you? Not much soda. The usual for you, Mr. Lewis? Yeah, and don't be good to me. I've got a long night. I got you. Ah, this is a beautiful spot. Who's quartet? Chewy Ray. He's at the piano. I hope you can come back for pleasure sometime. <laughs> so do I. Say, what do you know about this Nora Faulkner? Nothing. I've noticed her. I've seen her in the casino.
6: <laughs> she seems to be the type you would notice.
4: Does she gamble much? I don't know how much, but we can find out. Come on, there's Joe Rosenberg, our credit manager. He'll know. Hey,
2: <laughs>
4: Max. This is Mr. Darlot. Joe. He's here looking into this Nora
6: Faulkner business. He wants to
4: know how much
6: she gambles. Oh, Sure. I looked at her card right after I heard what happened. She signed to get a five hundred dollar check cash, so that's all she got. What do you mean, sign for it, Joe? That's our deal here. You put down what you think you're gonna need, and that's all you can get. You don't want our customers getting hurt. Take you, for example. Keep them in cold sober and cash a check for two hundred bucks. Then a few hours later, with a flat under your belt and the two hundred gone, you come back to me and say you gotta have another two hundred because you're gonna break the joint. But you don't get it. Because we want you to wake up just hungover, not bankrupt. And all she had was 500. Right. She's been here three days. She didn't look like she'd get into trouble over an amount like that.
1: I guess not. But she was in trouble. That's the safest bet in the place. It began to look as though I was in the wrong place to find a motive for attempted murder. I talked to a dealer who remembered her, a bartender, and a couple of waitresses who linked her with Dr. Brooks, but none of their statements led to anything. And then, a little past midnight, Andrew Faulkner and his mother arrived. I met them just inside the main entrance. Oh,
5: Mr. Dollar, I, I didn't expect to find you here. The
1: insurance company wanted me to follow it through. What has happened, Mr. Dollar? Your wife will recover.
5: Oh, but they, they told me on the she phone. She was
1: discovered in time, and they got her to a hospital.
5: Oh, I'm so relieved. We haven't been friendly. But when they called, I, I can't tell you how shocked I was.
1: You've seen her? Yes, I've seen her, but you won't be able to until morning.
5: What did she say? How does she explain this?
1: She said she hated life and didn't want any more of it.
5: I see. I suppose she mentioned me.
1: Well, she didn't mention anybody.
5: Not even her doctor?
6: He was with her.
5: Yes, I should imagine he would be. Well, I i am relieved. Candle and difficult decisions to come, notwithstanding. What is your room number, Andrew, dear?
7: 302. Uh,
5: and I'm in 117. In case you need us for anything, Mr. Dollar...
1: I don't think I will, Mrs. Faulkner. I'll probably see you in the morning, and uh, I hope you have a good rest. It was 2 in the a.m. when I went to my room. In spite of a number of Ryan sodas and an exhausting day... I took a shower and some deep inhalations of desert air before I began to unbend. I propped myself up in bed with a magazine and was almost asleep when my phone rang. Johnny Dollar.
2: The long arm of justice, Dollar.
1: Oh, yeah, Sheriff.
2: I'm back at the hospital. There's been more trouble. The Faulkner girl's been shot.
6: Shot?
1: Is she alive?
2: Not quite half alive, I'd say. They're trying to bring her around now. I'll see if we can get a statement. I want
1: you to come over. Sure, I'll be
2: right
9: there.
2: She's gone, Dollar. Uh, Is that all? She was conscious for a minute or so. She named her husband. How did it happen? It wouldn't have if it wasn't for that personal position of hers. He'd been in the hospital room tonight. The light was on. He went out to get some coffee, he says, and the husband came in. Where's Dr. Brooks now? In her room. Might as well hear what he has to say. As faulkner went through the window there, getting out. Bad night, doctor. Yes, a bad night. Sheriff would tell you. I want for him to hear it from you. He wants the insurance angle.
6: All I want is to kill him. Well, he'd threatened to kill her and said nobody'd suspect him because he loved her. And she wanted insurance to set up a motive. She hoped to frighten him, to make him think that people would suspect that he killed her for that.
1: Why didn't you tell us these things?
6: I didn't know. She told me the truth after I'd come back from the hotel. I told her you were sending the Hedical to the laboratory. She said she didn't want to press, that it wasn't his fault, that his mother had driven him to it, that she wanted to give him another chance, and he had that chance.
1: How did he arrange it? I saw him in the morning in Los Angeles. He'd have to be here. She said he was for a short time,
6: in the afternoon. Then he flew back. A detective had found out that I was here with her. And that was Mother's work, too. He evidently arranged the poison when she refused to go home with him. He was deranged, a war casualty. Nora was terrified of him, but still she defended him. She's dead because she had a blind hope that the poison attempt would do something to him, that he'd get better and
7: understand what his mother was.
6: Sorry, right, gentlemen. Yeah, you should be, Doc. If you'd phoned us when you got us, stories, You wouldn't be dead. But I didn't know. I've had enough, Sheriff. I didn't know he'd come back. I'm going back to
2: the hotel. I've got the airport covered. I'll call out some more men. We'll pick him up. Why don't you meet me in my office in 20 minutes? This kind of thing, I'll leave to you outsiders. We haven't had much experience with this stuff. Did you talk to the mother?
1: Yeah, I talked to her. She admitted a lot of lies. She wanted to get the girl away from her son, but couldn't understand how he could have done this. Well, how do we find him?
2: We sit here and wait. Las Vegas is a bad place to get away from. There's one highway in and one highway out, and I've got roadblocks on both. No other roads? Oh, there's some roads. But this is the desert. He can try them, but he'll find out that roads are like everything else on the desert. They go so far, and then they get tired and stop because they ain't getting anyplace.
6: And we wait for a radio report.
2: It might take some time, but it'll come. A lot of things to fight out here. Outside of town, couldn't get a drink for a thousand dollars if so dry. One old timer they tell about got hit by a drop of water, and they had to pour a bucket full of sand in his face to bring him to. (laughs) What time is it? 7.30 a.m. Even today, that sun's going to be hot enough to fry steak. If he don't come back, it'll be because he can't make it. Oh, come on, stop it, will you? You know they tell about a coyote chasing a jackrabbit. The coyote was starving to death, and the jackrabbit knew it. But it was so hot they were both walking. Sure, through.
4: sure, sure.
2: By by noon, this killer of yours'll will be willing to crawl into the electric chair to cool off.
7: I didn't believe him until just afternoon.
1: Then the report was not by way of radio. We got a phone call from the railroad section house southwest of town. A stranger fitting our description had been seen.
2: Hello, Sheriff. Hi, Ben. Where is this thing you talk about?
7: Well, my kid sneaked up on him. They tell me he went into a drain culvert under the tracks mile down. You want to help? No, thanks. They say he's got a gun. <laughs>
2: A couple of you men cover the other side of the tracks.
9: Okay, Now,
2: that first wash bead's into the culvert. We'll stay next to the embankment. This is close enough for now. You give him a yell. He may remember you. I'm trying.
4: Faulkner, this is Dollar. Come on out, Faulkner.
1: Ah, He's off his nut, Sheriff. I don't think he's coming out.
2: Well, you keep yelling. I'm going to move over there where I can get a sight into that pipe. Maybe that'll change his mind.
1: Faulkner,
4: come on out. There are men on each side of the tracks. There's no place for you to go. Sheriff? I'm all right.
2: Come on out of there, Faulkner. I don't want to blow you out, but if you don't put down your gun and come out on your own, I'll have to. All right. Okay, boys, stand clear on the other side of the tracks.
1: Don't expect an answer, do you, Sheriff?
2: No? Guess not. Poor cuss. Who carried his life insurance, you know?
1: Expense account item five, miscellaneous $200. Item six, same as item one, transportation back to Hartford. Expense account total... $1,120.40. $1,120.40. Remarks? Mrs. Faulkner collapsed when she received the news. She hadn't recovered by the time I left, and I was glad. Glad I didn't have to face her again. Her son was guilty, in fact, and I'd seen him killed because of it. That was bad enough. But not as bad, I thought, as watching her start life again, alone and knowing that the guilt
6: was really hers. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
3: Truly Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music by Wilbur Hatch. Edmund O'Brien's latest picture is the Paramount Pictures production, Warpath. Featured in tonight's cast were Parley Bear, Jeanette Nolan, Herb Butterfield, Lee Patrick, John Daner, Tim Graham, Virginia Gregg, Wilms Herbert, Victor Perrin, and Clayton Post. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. This is Dan Coverly inviting you to join us next week at this time when we will again bring you Edmund O'Brien
1: as yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
3: Are you ready to sing it again tonight? You'll find a whole hour full of the day's popular music sung by Alan Dale, Bob Howard, Judy Lynn, and the Riddlers. The Phantom Voice is a puzzler, but some CBS listener will win five grand in cash. Now stay tuned for Von Monroe's Caravan, which follows immediately on most of these same CBS stations. This is CBS, where you laugh with Lucille Ball and my favorite husband on Saturday nights, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
11: com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
3: From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as...
1: Johnny Dollar. Ralph Whedon again, Johnny. I'm glad I caught you before you left. It was almost two hours before my plane leaves. What's on your mind? Now the cable just came in from Manila. The amount taken in the burglary is roughly seventy-five thousand dollars. That's dollars, and not pesos. Dollars, yeah. They mentioned that a clerk has dropped out of sight. Native? An American. Name's Blake. Daniel Blake. Blake. All right. Now, that's all so far. Uh, what's your hotel in Manila? Do you know yet? Ah, uh, yeah, the Hotel Tondo. Tondo. Good. I'll get word to you there if I learn anything you can use. Well, good luck on the trip. <laughs>
3: Edmund O'Brien, in another adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly,
1: Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office Columbia All-Risk Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Woodward-Manila matter.
9: Expense
1: count item one, $1,850 airfare and incidentals between Hartford and Manila. Mr. Dora the incoming
12: PAL flight number 103, will you go to the ticket General office, flight. please?
13: Passenger Dollar from incoming P.A.S. Yes, my name is Dollar. I was being paged. Oh, yes.
1: These gentlemen are waiting for you. Uh, this is Mr. Dollar, sir. Oh, yes. I'm Floyd McDonald, Mr. Dollar, local manager of the Woodward Company. Oh, how are you, sir? And this is Irving Morgan, my assistant. Morgan, well, glad to meet you. I've made arrangements to have your luggage sent to your hotel if you'd like to do it that way. Irving and I can drive you right in. Fine. That's darn nice of you. Well, I know how it is. At least I don't want to bother with the after a long flight like that. You'll give me your luggage check, sir? Oh, yeah. yeah. I am right here. Well, that's all I think. The car is right outside. We can give you the details of the burglary on the way in. He told me very little that I didn't already know. The store he managed, one of Manila's largest hardware stores, was part of the American-owned Woodward chain. He had discovered the loss of the $75,000 himself Monday morning when he'd entered his office and found the safe open. Naturally, I feel very badly about it. Everything that can be done is being done. I don't know who the main office is blaming it on, but I think you'll find that Floyd and I were anything but careless. We've got five years without a loss behind us to prove that. And it only takes one failure to ruin a success, Irving. There's seventy-five thousand. Do I understand that it was all American currency? No, no, it was made up of pesos too. I stated the amount in dollars and cents when I reported the loss. Mm-hmm. Were you in the habit of keeping as much money as that in your office safe? Well, it wasn't my idea, or to my liking. It was because of a company rule. They were worried about conditions on this side of the Pacific and ordered us to stop banking our cash here. Instead of the usual yearly transfer of our money, it has been going to the States once a month. Hmm. They didn't save much this time. What about this clerk, Dan Blake? Oh, don't get me started on him. No, there's nothing proved yet, Irving. What is it going to take to open your eyes, Floyd? We don't agree on just what to think about Dan, Mr. Dollar. In spite of the circumstances, I... uh, I find it almost impossible to believe that Dan would do this to me. Could he have done it? Of course he could. He had access to the office and he could have memorized the combination of the safe. Yes, yes, that's true. But I can't forget that he was a very good friend of mine. He was like a son to me. Was he in any trouble that you know of? Or any money? I hadn't heard of anything. He's been out of sight four days now. What kind of a search has been made for him? Well, I understand that the police have been working very hard. They class him as the chief suspect, too. Yes, but you've uh, got to realize that the Philippines aren't like the States, Dollar. It's not hard to drop out of sight here. It's a big world. I know. I just watched a lot of it pass by. Well, as soon as my luggage arrives and I can get into a fresh suit, I'll contact the police, see what they've got. <laughs> Expense account item 2, three fifty, dollars including tip, a pitcher of gimlets delivered to my room. While I waited for my baggage to arrive, I relaxed in front of a window. My hotel was two blocks from Manila's Great Bay in a section called El Puerto. From my room, I could see enough of the Orient the native craft working the harbor to give even a common hardware store burglary an atmosphere of intrigue. Expense account item 3, $0.80, cab fare to police headquarters, where I was shunted into a side office... to wait for the sergeant in charge of the Woodward case. He finally showed up.
10: Sergeant Malvar, you wait for me?
1: Yes, my name is Dollar.
10: I know. You come to talk of my burglary. You are a policeman?
1: Well, not quite. I've been hired by an insurance company to learn what I can about it.
10: What do you wish to learn from me?
1: Whether you've made any progress... You gotten any place with your search for Dan Blake?
10: Dan Blake? No, I do not look for him now.
1: Oh, no, you don't?
10: No, I have captured the thief.
1: Oh. Who is it?
10: Miguel Nosaleda.
1: You've recovered the money?
10: He will not say where it is yet, but he will say tomorrow, maybe.
1: What evidence do you have, Sergeant?
10: He cannot say where he was that night of the burglary. Is that all? He's by profession, a thief. He was arrested while he was robbing another store last night.
1: Does he speak English? Oh, yes. I wonder if I could talk to him. Maybe he's afraid to confess to the police and maybe I can get him to talk. All right. You come with me.
10: You do not stay long. Only five minutes. That's good enough.
12: why you come here
1: how old are you Miguel 50 where do you work
12: no work
3: get hurt in bombing no work
1: you have any children see two daughters. where do they work yeah huh. does either one work at the Woodward hardware store work in prison both work in prison sergeant Malva says you stole some money from the Woodward store no You'll make it easier for yourself if you tell the truth and give up the money. I don't got money. If I got money, then why steal five pesos from other place? Why? You tell police why. If I got lots of money, why steal a little more? Why? Because I don't got lots of money. It's good enough for me, Miguel. Sorry I took up your time.
10: You do not stay long?
1: I think he wants to sleep.
10: What would he say to you?
1: That he didn't do it. <laughs> and if he had, you wouldn't have caught him stealing five pesos because he wouldn't have needed it. He need a kick in the head for his lying. Do you have any connection between him and the Woodward place?
10: He tell you he got two daughters in prison? Yeah. He lies. They come out, but they do not go back to him because he steals their money.
1: Oh? The daughters have
10: connection with Woodward's? Connection? If we need connection, we find one all right. Tomorrow, maybe? <laughs>
1: I had an idea Sergeant Malva's philosophy reasoned that it was a lot easier to grill the wizened little prisoner than it would be to continue the search for Blake. But I left him to his own devices and cabbed to the Woodward store. I was told that neither Floyd McDonald nor Morgan were in, but that a secretary would help me.
13: Oh, how do you do, Mr. Dollar? I knew that you were coming out. My name is Charlotte Page. Floyd McDonald's my uncle.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
13: He had to go out to Ermita with an order for a house that's being built there. Can I help you in any way?
1: I wanted to look at the office, find out where the safe was. Oh, I can show you. Uh, I'll check this door first.
13: Good stout lock. have to have a key. Is this the only entrance? Well, the one window there, but it's in a blank wall. Mr. Dollar, I know you've been here only a little while, but have you learned anything?
1: Not much, but all of it looks bad for Dan Blake. I can't
13: believe it. I just can't believe that Dan would do a thing like this.
1: How well did you know him?
13: Evidently not well at all. He stole the money. We're the same age. Found something in common working here together. I've had dinner with him occasionally, going to the beach.
1: Know if he was in any kind of trouble, debts or anything?
13: No, I thought he was very happy and comfortable here. He seemed to be. Hmm.
1: Where's this safe now?
13: It's under the rug near the desk. You have to lift the corner of the rug.
1: Uh... Did Dan Blake know where it was?
13: Oh, yes. Everybody trusted him. He'd been here for years.
1: Did he know the combination?
13: No, I, I don't think so. Uncle Floyd handled the cash.
1: Could he have memorized it?
13: Well, I don't know that either. I hadn't given it a thought.
1: Hmm. I guess we can put the rug back. Oh, uh, I well, forgot we to get Blake's address from the police. You happen to know what it is? Oh, I've
13: forgotten it it's somewhere on sample I can find it on the payroll. It should be right here. Too easy to find him there, wouldn't it, Mr. Dollar? Much
1: too easy. Thought I might pick up a crumb or two. Oh, right, here it
13: is.
1: 307 Sample Street. 307 Sample Line. Thanks. Tell Mr. McDonald I was here, would you please? And that I'll be in touch tomorrow. There was a fair biography of Dan Blake in his rooms. I learned that he was born in Duluth, Minnesota, 26 years ago his father wrote him occasionally, that he had sailed with the Merchant Marine during the war and had made a few inter-island trips after that. Floyd MacDonald had said he was a student of the Philippines and that was borne out by photographs and receipts from steamer and airlines. I made a list of the places he'd visited, but that was all I could do for that day. It wasn't until the next morning that I went to police headquarters and waited again for Sergeant Malvar.
10: You come back again? We do very good without your help.
1: Well, pardon me. I don't want to butt in. I just wondered if you knew that Dan Blake spent a lot of time learning these islands. Oh? Do you know that he'd spent some time in San Jose on Mindoro, Don Maranduke, and in Palo and Leyday?
10: I did not know.
1: Well, it might pay you to check those places. There are more, too. From here, clear down to Mindanao.
10: The search is finished.
1: Huh? What do you mean?
10: Dan Blake has been found. He was adrift in a dugout on Tayabas Bay. He was taken aboard a ship then he died. What killed him? He was shot many times.
1: What about the money? It has not been found. Not yet. Yeah, sure, but maybe tomorrow.
3: We'll return you to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. With winter in the wind, driving becomes more hazardous every day. Not as much for you in your car as for the people walking across the street or along the edges of a highway. A shoe touches a tiny strip of ice. Someone loses his balance, falls in the wrong direction, and there is sudden death. Check your car carefully. Make sure your brakes are good. Make sure your tires have a heavy tread. Check your steering wheel. Someone's life may depend upon the efficiency of your automobile on the care of your driving. Now, with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return you to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Sergeant Malva, Manila police, was again taking his inimitable approach to a subject, believing what he wanted to believe. When I asked him how he knew the body was that of Dan Blake, he told me the ship captain who had picked him up said so. How did he know? The man had mentioned the name before he died. That was all, and it wasn't enough for me. I put in a call for Floyd McDonald, the Woodward Company manager.
13: Donald's office.
1: This is Johnny Dollar's, Is Mr. McDonald there? Oh,
13: no, he stepped out for a moment. This is Charlotte. Is there anything I can do?
1: I'm calling from police headquarters. They uh, have a body down here. A
13: body?
1: Picked up by a ship someplace. They claim it's Dan Blake, but there wasn't any identification on him. You tell Mr. McDonald I want him to come and look at him?
13: Yes. He should be back any minute. I'll tell him to come right down. <laughs>
1: When did this develop, Dollar? And why wasn't I notified? Nobody was notified, Mr. McDonald. Sergeant Malvar was playing it close to his chest. And where is Sergeant He Didn't tell me where he was going. He left word that we could look at the body and he left. My name is Dollar, Corporal. See, si, you go in. Thanks. I know this is unpleasant, but we have to find out. Good Lord. Is this Dan Blake? Yes. Yes, it's Dan. Cover him up, please. Where did they find him? In a dugout canoe. Someplace called Tayabas Bay, I think. Yes. Tayabas Bay. Southwest of here. Who found him? A man by the name of Kovar. He's the captain of an inter island schooner. Could we leave here? Yeah, sure. What happened, do you know? Not firsthand shot in the back four times. He was alive for a short time after Captain Kovar picked him up. The money has not been found. I see. Then there's no explanation yet. Not that I know of. The schooner is anchored offshore just south of the Pasig River. You know where that is? Yes. I'd like to talk to this Kovar. I guess I can hire a boat to take me out there. I'll uh, drive you down to the docks. As a matter of fact, I'd like to go with you. It's a good idea if you have the time. Well, I'll take the time. That's my car there. That must be the boat. The Sea uh, Nymph. Is that the name? That's it. Skipper, that's the one there. The Sea Nymph. That's a little precious for a wreck like that, isn't it? Some are even worse how they stay afloat. There's somebody on deck. What do you want? You Captain Kova? Yeah, that's right. I want to talk to you about the body you brought in. Are you the police? No, this man is McDonald. Dan Blake worked for him. Hey, cover Get a line on the shoreboat. Okay, come on board. I'll put the ladder over for you. Watch it now. She's got quite a pitch today. Go ahead. Right. Have you got it? Yeah. My name is Dollar, Captain. I'm working on the burglary for an insurance company. Yeah, come out in the cabin. I'd like to learn about that burglary. All that police sergeant would tell me is that I got the money and I better give it to him. Well, that'll take some doing. Yeah, take the chairs, you two. I'll take the bunk here. Well, now, what's this all about? There's a little over $75,000 missing. He didn't have anything when I picked him up. He was in a dugout canoe? That's right. Looked like a morrow craft to me. Oh, I see what you mean. It was empty. I looked it over. How long did he live? Oh, 15, 20 minutes. Maybe not that long. I don't think taking him aboard did any good for him, but I didn't know. Did he say anything about the shooting? Nothing that I could understand. What did he say? I told you I couldn't understand. Just some noise. But you were able to understand his name. You're beginning to sound like that police sergeant, mister, and I don't like it. I thought I was doing right when I brought that boy Now, wait a minute, Captain. I wish I'd left him there. Police right now are getting papers to search my ship, and now you stop. I'm not making any accusations, but you are the last person to see him alive. I'm interested in what he said. Well, he said Blake. Blake. That's all I can understand. tell you the truth, I wish I'd left him there. But you know what I think? What's that? If he went from Manila to someplace on Tayabas Bay where he had his dugout, plenty could happen. It's about 60 miles. You heard about our Hucks, our rebels? Yeah, I've read about them. They're a bunch of cutthroat scum, and they don't think twice when they get the chance to kill an American. $75,000, so much the better. Hmm. What do you think, Mr. McDonald? Well, certainly a possibility. The Hucks are active. I guess there's not a chance of putting our finger on it if that's what happened. Not a chance. All right, and let's leave that possibility until the last. I wasn't sure of Captain Kova. If he was telling the truth, he was doing so without tact. And if he was lying, he seemed to be doing that with complete confidence. I didn't bother questioning his crew. I knew that Sergeant Malva, if he hadn't already, would take care of them when he returned to search the schooner. I spent the rest of the morning and part of the afternoon in routine legwork on the case, and at four o'clock, I got the sergeant's report.
10: There was nothing from one end of the ship to the other end. My men look. I know it is there, but it was not found.
1: Did you talk to the crew?
10: Yes, I talk myself to them. They do not hear Dan Blake say anything. The captain is the only one who hears him.
1: What have you done with him?
10: What is there I can do? Nothing. I leave his ship, and that is all.
1: Huh? What now? What now?
10: What now? There is nothing now. So the hawks killed him. Then that is all.
1: I learned a few things about Floyd McDonald this afternoon. So? He's up to his neck in debt. Did you know that? So? I don't know about the Philippines, but in the States, it's an old pitch to have a patsy found full of bullets, but without the missing money.
10: I do not know what you say.
1: And maybe it looks like Dan Blake is the thief when somebody else is. I haven't been able to find a reason for the kid to have done this. Now I find that McDonald needed money. I did not know
10: that. It would not be wise for me to question him. In Manila, Mister McDonald is not the man to suspect. He is known as a man with honor.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I gathered. That's probably why he could get so far into debt. I didn't think it would be wise at that point for me to question Floyd McDonald either. I waited until his store closed that evening and until his assistant Irving Morgan had gotten to his home. thinking about you. Come on in. Thanks. Well, how's it going? It's hard to tell. From what I hear, the money has gone. For good. Did McDonald tell you that? Yeah, isn't that right? Maybe. I don't make it a habit to go around switching the values of national problems, but it's occurred to me that these hucks could be pretty handy people to have around. I don't get you. Well, when a killing outside the city can't be explained any other way, it's marked off to the hucks. Oh, you don't think they shot Blake? I'm not as sure of it as everybody else seems to be. Just what do you mean, Mr. Tyler? How much did you know about McDonald's personal life? Well, I i see him socially, if that's what you mean. We're, we're good friends. Does he owe you any money? It seems to me that's a very personal question. I have to ask that kind once in a while. I've learned that McDonald owes a lot of money to a lot of people. A thousand here, 1500 there. Loans, gambling debts. Uh, he'd be ruined if this became common knowledge, Mr. Dollar. He'd he'd lose his position. Everything. How far do you think McDonald would go to save himself? Are you telling me you think Floyd arranged this theft? Well, it's something to think about. And killed Blake to... Oh, no, no, he didn't. You're sure of that? He couldn't have. He's not that kind of man. He might be desperate, yes, but he'd never do a thing like that. Would he be at home now? I don't think so. It's it's only seven. He usually has dinner at the club. What club? The the merchant's club. Uh, Mr. Dollar, don't question him down there. Wait until he gets home. All right. I can count on you not to tell him I'm waiting for him. You certainly can. I want to stay as far away from this thing as possible. An hour and a half later, a cab dropped me in front of Floyd McDonald's home. The residence, at least, was a picture of propriety. Set in a fashionable suburb, it was within earshot of a bellboy somewhere in the bay. I followed a sidewalk across a neatly hedged lawn, and halfway to the house, I stopped to watch a man come out of the front door. Captain Culver! Who is What do you want? What are you doing here? Forget it. Oh, I can't. What's your part in this? Never mind. Forget your saw me. Come here. Cobra. Get off. Get off. Cola. Cola. Oh.
13: Now
12: you?
1: Oh, I didn't expect this. You live here? Yes. I came to talk to your uncle. Is he here? No. And Captain Kova was with you.
12: Yes, Captain Kova was with me.
1: you hurt. What did he do to you? He hit me. Why?
12: Because he's insane. He thought he had to hit me. He wanted the money. Gave it to him.
1: You gave him the money?
12: Yes, all of it. Every penny of it. I didn't want it anymore. That's
1: not what I mean. You were holding the money for Dan Blake. For
12: us. We were in it together.
1: Kova learned it from Dan before he died. Yes.
12: Dan kept calling for me while he was dying. So this... Kova thought he could blackmail me. He thought I gave him the money to keep him quiet. Dan and I were trying to get away from this place, have a life of our own. We tried. I don't care what happens to me.
1: Where's the telephone?
12: Through that door, but you don't have to call. I'll go to the police by myself. I just wanted to wait till Uncle Floyd got home. I'm not worried
1: about your personal problems, Charlotte. That's not my job. Kova and that $75,000 is all I want i tried not to waste a minute but time slipped by 15 minutes on the phone 25 to get back to manila when sergeant malva finally arrived at the harbor police dock a boat was ready for us come as quick as i can his ship is not a tanker i checked it he moved out about 20 minutes ago we go then
10: come here he then Dark night. What if do we don't find him? He do not get out of the bay. Boats near Corregidora right now waiting. The girl, she was an accomplice.
1: She held the money, so if he was picked up, you couldn't prove possession. She was going to meet him later.
10: The hooks shot him.
1: That's what Kova told her.
10: So? But the hooks do not kill him. What's that? Police doctor. He say bullets do not kill Blake. Blake choked to death. All right. Kova choked him to learn the secret. I think
1: we can prove that, Sergeant. Can we get any more speed out of this thing? Come on, let's get inside, out of the spray. A 20-minute start isn't much when a schooner with auxiliary power is matched against a police boat. With our speed and the beams from four searchlights fanning out around us, we covered every possible course that Culver could have set. It took us less than 30 minutes. Come on! Already. We go outside. Yep, there she
10: is. Now I show this man we are strong. But anymore. We fire in front of him. That's slowing him down. He cursed me, that man, when I searched his ship. Now Sergeant Malvari, cursed back. Check!
1: Crazy, Crazy! Got one of our lights. You'd better douse the others before he smashes them. But hang up. It's Crazy! That depends on whether the dockers works for him or not. All I can see is his weight now. Do not get away. We move in right now. Go on board. shouting something.
12: Captain, go up!
10: There is no use to fight!
12: We come aboard! Barbara,
1: get that little started. Get it started! No, no, no. The crew's turning on him. You won't, Roger. Won't All right, you will ah! He's got to be stopped, Sergeant. Have your men stop him. Come on, there. He's running forward.
10: my witness. The officials do not like the killing of accidentals
1: I'm your witness. Now, if you'll put me aboard, I'd like to find that stolen money. Expense account item 3, $230. Blanket item covering hotel, transportation, etc., Item four, same as item one. Expense account total $3,940. Remarks? After the arrest of Charlotte Page, the stolen funds were counted in front of witnesses, and the amount was not as large as was claimed by McDonald. I don't know what you can do about it. Everybody seems to be out after something these days. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
3: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd with music by Wilbur Hatch. Edmund O'Brien's latest picture is the Paramount Pictures production, Warpath. Featured in tonight's cast were Bill Conrad, Lillian Biaf, Robert Griffin, Bill Johnstone, Hi Everback, and Jack Crucian. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. This is Dan Coverly inviting you to join us next week at this time when Edmund O'Brien returns as...
1: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
0: Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of golden age radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.